1: Hello, Bulls fans. Welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us today on the show. As the new season draws nearer, we're going to dive into this week's goings on, including Monday's Media Day procession, the first couple days of training camp and looking ahead to next week when that actual basketball is back with preseason getting away on Tuesday. And here to help me discuss all that and more. He's a first-time guest and I'm a welcome one at that, but more importantly, he's a writer over at Bleacher Nation who does a tremendous job covering the Bulls who if you're not following at the, at the moment, um yeah, let me let me say you're doing it wrong and I'm sure you'll correct that after this episode, but nonetheless, I'm pleased to welcome in Elias Schuster. Elias, how are you mate?
0: Wow, what a what a kind intro. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm I'm uh excited for the season to start. This is uh An exciting time of the year especially because we get kind of get a normal year uh for the first time in a little while for a normal league year and the ball's made so many fun changes so i'm just excited to be on the show and talk to you about it this is going to be good
1: yeah for sure and you said normal there and that was that was kind of my main takeaway from media day obviously that's what i wanted to to discuss up front that was the first thing that happened this week i guess monday media day tuesday for me but maybe we can start there and and you referenced the word there normal and it's kind of how it felt like for me like i I guess for over the last few years, I've been enraged over Media Day. There's been things that have pissed me off, <laughs> whether it's off court drama, whether it's you know, babble that's been said by you know, a John Paxson or a, a Garth Foreman, or he, I guess he was shelved for the last few years. But you know, Jim Boylan, when uh, he declared the playoffs were you know, a couple of seasons back, like there's generally always been something stupid that has been said on Bulls Media Day that generally enraged the fan base. But this time round, whilst I watched it all, whilst I got through it all, I guess my main takeaway was. Okay, that was kind of boring and nothing really happened, and that's actually a good, a good thing and a welcome change in a lot of ways.
0: No, definitely. I mean, it was, it was a, yeah. I mean, there was definitely something that wasn't normal about it in the sense that you're like, what's with all this talent? But because of all this talent. Uh, things were pretty smooth. There weren't a lot of complaints, uh, you know, like it, it, nobody said anything stupid. So it was a, uh, it was a pretty productive, uh, a productive day of, of nothingness, which is something that you don't really get in Bold nation anymore. But yeah, I thought the, the, it was really exciting to see kind of everybody together for the first time. Uh, what stood out to me the most honestly was that you could tell that people were excited. Obviously Levine expressed excitement. I think, uh, you know, the new players expressed um uh, their excitement to be in the city and to kind of to to play with all this these, these different players And a lot of them said, you know, this is the most talented team I've been on in my career But what stood out the most to me was kind of how realistic everybody was about everything. I mean, especially AK and, and uh, Billy Donovan those two that they started the day off and set the tone immediately where it was like, this is Really great. This is fun. We we changed the roster up, but we have proven nothing yet This is going to be, you know, they kind of uh, confirm some of the uh, fears that people around the league have had about this team. Uh, Just saying, you know, yeah, we got to work a lot on defense. Yes, we're going to have to figure out, you know, our front court depth and our rebounding. And like we know that there are holes that we have to fill and stuff we have to figure out. Uh, And that was kind of just a welcome sight. It's like we weren't being sold, you know, fake playoff aspirations, even though for this team they're there uh unlike you know the a couple like the other season or other seasons in the past it was actually a pretty realistic uh um reception of the season so uh that that was kind of encouraging to me i was I was excited to see that
1: yeah i guess that was the the interesting thing and and, and look I, I, we we referenced the word normal before but I, I i don't want people to take this the wrong way as well but um it was an extremely boring media day, and, and maybe that's just because is kind of show us as an extremely boring com- conversationalist, and <laughs> I don't take that as a bad thing because I don't know if I want him up there and you know parading around and 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 you know beating his chest t- talking about all the signings the Bulls made. I kind of like that he's a bit more stealth and maybe not giving away all his trade secrets and those things. But um, yeah, he's not a very personable person. Let's say that um, and they didn't really give away too much information, and they said. You know things that I expected them to say, as you sort of alluded to, but uh, yeah, there was just no nonsense. It was it was normal. It was it was boring to a to a degree, but uh, you know I'm I'm fine with that. I, like I said, I'll take that given the years that we've had to you know experience over the last four or five years, etc. And all the all the drama that has sort of followed Bulls basketball that seemingly isn't here right now, which is good, and hopefully it stays that way. I mean, you can just look around the league, and you know the Sixers were having to deal with the Ben Simmons thing. Nets media day was a, a debacle with the whole Kyrie thing, and I'm sure you know <laughs> other players right. who are an, anti vax and that sort of stuff. And you know, the whole COVID piece, there will be teams that are dealing with that sort of nonsense. So the Bulls didn't have any of that, which was yeah, it was, it was nice, I guess. But, um, despite it being normal, despite it being a, a nice, easy, breezy type of uh media day, what, what were the things that stood out to you that um that you liked hearing? I guess,
0: right? Yeah, no, I think that it was uh, I think. One, that, I mean, Zach sounded comfortable with everything. I, I didn't really expect yeah. otherwise, but that's still, uh, it's still something that we needed to see. So I think mm-hmm. the fact that he was able to take the podium and his answers were all as expected about the, uh, the contract situation. I mean, of course he, it still needs, he knows he still has some leverage. So he's not going to sit there and be like, all I want to do is be a bull, and I'm going to be a bull forever and blah, 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 because <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, I'm, or clutches into his ear and they're telling them to be a little more, uh, a little more sneaky about it but he he still said it what bulls fans would want to hear which is you know it's, it seems to be where he wants to be uh he's excited about this season that's what he's focused on he kept kind of being pushed on things and he, and he didn't really budge so um but he definitely sounded happy with everything he c- c- continued to express his excitement about the offseason moves and and it definitely seemed like he was a part of that decision-making process which was important um but also i think just the fact that guys like or someone like demar Derozan, i know he he it is kind of silly how uh he can he will continue to to talk down the fit uh questions because they are legitimate questions there but uh at the same time he does have a point and it's actually uh a positive thing i think that he continues to express that confidence of no this is going to work this is going to fit you know everything's going to be okay and i think that one shows a maturity on his part uh, because he is an older player now. He's a thirty-two year old veteran. You know, he he had the best playmaking season of his career last year. And I think he recognizes that he's gonna take a lot of what he learned in the second stint of his career with San Antonio, uh, and I think he even said it, put it all together and take everything he's learned throughout his career and just kind of be that veteran presence that this Bulls team needs. And uh I'm sure it's gonna it's gonna be an adjustment period to kind of uh to, to step back a little bit offensively and, and give up some of the role that he's had, but he definitely sounds willing to do that and uh willing to make everything mesh, which is important. And then uh Billy just kind of emphasizing the style of play stuff. I've been really interested about this and I'd be curious even to know your thoughts on it. Uh Billy kind of said what a lot of fans thought, we're gonna play faster. You know that needs to be a big emphasis. Uh now that we the 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 front office got their multi ball handlers and they can really move up and down the court and play fast. Um but Lonzo with the whole traditional point guard thing and everything like that, I still believe, and I think you and I over Twitter have had, we've talked about this before, uh, that is going to be one of the biggest things I'm interested about is uh, is seeing actually how Lonzo's role pans out. I'm happy and glad to see that he he likes uh, where his, his position lies with this team, and that's why he chose to come here. But I'll be curious to see if the words kind of match the actions in the sense that I think they will play a lot of half court. I don't know if they're going to play as, speedy as they think i don't know if he's going to be as traditional of a point guard as he says but i'm glad he thinks that <laughs> for now and he definitely also sounds comfortable so just the comfort level of everybody involved and the confidence that they can make this work uh is is was definitely palpable you could you can definitely feel that
1: yeah i think you touched on the the important points at the back end there like at least from my opinion like um you know we 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 expect Zach to come out and say he wants to be here. He wants to be a bull. Like, he, you know, he has some sort of level of commitment to the team. Like, that, that's just PR 101. Similarly, for the Bulls, tourist like, was very clear that they're committed around building right. around Zach. And, you know, we kind of inferred that already. We kind of knew that already, given that um, we already had some insight in the fact that, and it had been reported previously, that guys like Levine had some say about what was happening in the off season. And we could just tell by the moves that were being made around Levine and the fact that this team was bringing in win-now pieces and, you know, given Zach's going in, coming into a, a contract situation where he's got one year left, an unrestricted free agent, there's some risk to that, but they've done all they can to put the best the best possible team around Levine. So from that standpoint, like they said the things that I was expecting them to say, which was which was good and nice to hear. But I think what you touched on there, which was, maybe new information to us was the style of play, which is going to be very interesting. And we can break that down a little bit more as we talk about the preseason. But I think the main thing that I took away from this whole thing, which was maybe new information to us, was Alonzo has an expectation, whether he's been told this or whether he's just believes this himself, that he feels he can be more of a traditional type point guard in Chicago than maybe what he was in New Orleans. And it'll be interesting to see if the ball sold him that or, yeah, effectively sold him that dream, I suppose, or whether that's something he's um, just concocted in his own mind. I, I don't know what the situation is. But, yeah, it's an interesting one because, to me, I kind of felt like Lonzo would just reprise the current role or the, or the previous role he had in, in with New Orleans here in Chicago. But even more so after acquiring DeMar, maybe prior to DeMar, I could... Understand how maybe he could have have the ball in his hands more in a half court situation, be more of a lead initiator in the half court. But now after you've got Levine, you go out there and get Demar. Obviously, the Bulls want to run some stuff through through Vucevic. It's just going to be interesting to to see if there's enough you know enough time for Lonzo to be a traditional point guard. To be honest with you, so uh, yeah, I think that's going to be very interesting.
0: Yeah, and it's hard. It's hard because uh, it's hard to see just because. Like you said, there's a lot of people who are going to demand the ball, especially in half-court yeah. situations. And Lonzo mm. is not a pick-and-roll playmaker. I mean, he's never, no. he's never been. And so, mm. while I know that, especially fans who may not uh, watch his game, I know a lot of people want to want to believe that he can be that. But it's just, and I know you want to believe that because of his size. He has great positional size. Um, you know, he is a he is an athletic guy, and obviously, he can run it up, run up around the floor, great. But the thing is that he just. He's not that pick and roll playmaker. Demar Derozan is the exact opposite in the sense that he is—he's such a strong pick and roll playmaker. And then you have Vucevic, who's uh, so great in pick and pop situations and, and uh, one of the better screeners in the league. So it's like they're going to have to get all those combinations working. And so maybe, maybe Lonzo can be satisfied by just bringing the ball up the half, <laughs> up the court, bring it the pass to the half court line, initiate the beginning of the play, and then you know that's it. But he's not—he he's not going to be running a ton of the offense. And I was curious look, looking at this uh, earlier today. Um, he did play, I can't remember the exact percentage, but it was a strong majority of his minutes last year, technically at shooting guard. Um, so I think it was, you know, it was, uh, I wish I remember the percentage, but I can't right now. But yeah, he, uh, he was especially towards the end of the season, you know, definitely playing that off ball role and Zion was kind of being the point forward. And so maybe he could just be satisfied by getting some more transition opportunities and being able to play a little bit faster. But uh it's just going to be really interesting my, my I have so many thoughts in my head that go all over the place with this, just because I don't know yet how it's going to work and i'm ex- I'm excited to see it. I think no matter what he's going to be he's going to impact winning, he'll be a strong player, but uh it'll be really interesting to see how Donovan tries to satisfy him,
1: yeah, completely agree, and maybe. Maybe like part of the reason they want to play fast is because you know Lonzo is just a fantastic uh, transition player, and obviously Zach and DeMar can fit into that type of scheme. Patrick too. So from that point of view, you know, getting more possessions maybe enables the Bulls more opportunities for maybe Lonzo to be in the half court when they do, you know, you know fall back into a half court situation. Similarly for Vooch, like I have questions about how he's going to fit into a, a fast paced, dynamic sort of offense because that traditionally hasn't been something he sort of played with that (laughs) wasn't the case in Orlando and obviously when he came to Chicago the team remodeled their offense really around his style of play and became a slower more half-court offensive team so does that change like how does that all work like does that just ha- happen across forty-eight minutes? Is that something Billy blends depending on his rotations? Is it even reasonable to think that one unit can play one style of basketball? Then you bring in a, a you know your second unit or you know whatever the unit may be. You know you based on it, the five guys out there. Like, can you realistically just shift? your play style from there, like if Vucevic Vuce is on the court, Lonzo is off. Do you, do you play half court basketball in that scheme? When, you know, maybe uh, Vucevic is off and you got Tony Bradley in there and Lonzo and Levina on the court, something like that. Like, can you then play faster and get getting transition, transition more? I mean, maybe that's how ideally the way it works, but can you really split the way the team plays? I guess. Yeah. That's, that's the fascination about this team at the moment and, and why the fit thing is still a concern, I guess.
0: Right. And I think the, the only thing that I will say that that might, my- lean uh you know in favor of this style this fast style of play or at least helps the bulls is that while vooch is this lumbering presence and he is going to he's not going to be uh sprinting up and down the, the floor effectively uh he at least is a good shooter so in that sense yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if the four of them are pushing the ball up the floor and he is trailing behind and they do need to kick it back out or something it's mm-hmm. nice to at least know that your big man who is super slow and <laughs> you can kick it out to him and he might be able to hit that pull up three or you know he'll yep. be able to hit that that uh that just, easy catch and shoot shot. So that's at least a positive thing. And maybe that's something they're holding on to. Obviously they can't, uh, that's not a reason. That's not a, enough of a reason to, to really force this, uh, this fast paced offense, but it's still something nice that, that can make it work on, on some possessions.
1: Yeah, for sure. And look, I, to be clear, I think it will work. I think they'll eventually find their way to, uh, to make it work, but it'll probably be half, have- that, you know, have to be blended somehow because I'm sure yeah, well. Vuce, Vuce will still want his post touches. And, he, you know, if you want him, if he wants to be a post type player on certain possessions and that will need to happen in the half court and maybe on, on those just general possessions when the other team scores and you can't move the ball quickly up the floor, then maybe that's when you run your half court stuff. And maybe at that point, Vooch plays within the paint, but when you get up and down in transition, then maybe Vuce relies more on his jumper or whatever it may be. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, I suppose. But they were the two key takeaways for me, I suppose, that the Bulls want to get up and down and play fast, which we assume based on the roster construction, but uh, they've confirmed that as much, and, and the Lonzo stuff, I think that's going to be an interesting thing. I'm not really worried about that because Lonzo has generally been a good soldier everywhere he's gone. Maybe he's come, like I said, under here, we'll see if it's under false pretenses or not. I don't know what the Bulls guaranteed him or not in terms of role or anything like that, but it's... Um, you know, if he's expecting something and he maybe doesn't get something that he wants, th- does that cause problems? I'm not expecting it again. I think it's, I think it'll be fine because they're all good people, good teammates, but um, yeah, it was just something to take note of, I suppose.
0: I do think that the last, the last thing I'll say on this is uh, also that at the end of the day, Vooch is the more gifted offensive player. And so while yeah. that is where Lonzo thrives in, in transition and playing fast, uh, you know, Booch is going to win this battle if there is one in terms of what, how are we going to play? I think just because, and you throw DeMar into it, DeMar, good half court player. Uh, like we said, strong pick and roll playmaker. So those guys are going to win out at the end of the day. If the fast thing isn't working for some reason or, or you know, Vooch is really hurting it. I do think uh, you're, you'll see him slow it down a little bit and you'll play to the strengths of the other two, just because uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's what this, this team is going to thrive on is their offense. And, They'll make that offense work to the best of its ability in any way that they can. Uh, And, and yeah, so that's just just the way I see it. But it will be a very interesting thing to follow, especially throughout the preseason. I think Donovan kind of did it last year. We saw initially a lot of different lineups and testing out a lot of different things. I think this preseason he's going to try a lot of different styles of play and and just a lot of different uh, rotations, throw them out there and, and see what sticks.
1: Yeah, for sure. And look, why this is important to me as well, you know, the style of play on offense is because the style of play on offense will ultimately dictate maybe you're how you play on defense as well and I guess one of the big concerns we fans have around this bulls team as currently constructed is can they be good enough defensively and I'm not I don't think anyone's expecting a top 10 defense but you know can they be the 15th or 16th best defense whilst being the ninth or 10th best offense and if you if you are that type of team then you should be a pretty good team in the Eastern Conference but the way you play on offense may dictate how you play on defense and if you're getting up and down the court playing quick you know having shorter possessions and you're not necessarily running back, and uh, having half court possessions where you're slowing the game down, then is your defense getting into more transition defense opportunities? Which, at that point, you know, when you've got Levine out there, you've got DeMar out there, no Patrick Williams, yeah, you ha- you're asking Vucevic to get up and down the court uh, more quickly, and you don't get into your half court sets. Which, um, um, from a defensive standpoint, which the Bulls played a lot of drop defense last year, I'm expecting that to be the case again in this upcoming season, like. What does the offensive impact uh, of playing fast mean for the team's defense as well? So it's it's all connected, and it's obviously we're going to see how it plays out in preseason. I guess this is the uh, the importance of training camp. So we've we've gone into media day. The Bulls are currently going through their their training camp schedule right now. So they're into day day two as we record this now. It'll be day three once the podcast is released. But I guess this is where you know we have an advantage let's say or maybe not an advantage but it's it's nice to have a regular routine season coming up because this team actually has a training camp they'll actually have time during the season to practice together and to work these sorts of things out so um i'm assuming over the coming days this is when they're going to be testing the theory out of all of this stuff in in actual practice
0: yeah for sure i think especially uh in you kind of said it especially on the defensive end i mean that's where and that's where i think people forget Uh, just because Billy is more known for, for his relationship, uh, his relationships and just kind of his general player development skills and, and being that successful college coach. But a lot of people forget he is a defensive minded guy. So at the end of the day, that, that is something that he prides himself on and it's something that OKC thrived in during his time there. They were always a a very strong defensive team. And so I, I kind of expect that that's something that's really drilled from the beginning, because while we do want to know how this offense fits and how it flows, uh, the, the fact of the matter is this team has talented bucket getters and if you have talented enough bucket getters in this league you got guys that can score uh that'll work itself out this team's going to score points i don't think anything's worried about that yes we want to know how that's going to happen but i don't think we're worried that it will happen uh defensively though that's what training camp is they're really going to have to to just drill from from start to finish he's going to have to convince these guys to give maximum effort to horrible defender throughout his entire career right and so He's somebody, and Billy said yesterday, or I think on Monday, maybe he was just being kind. I think DeRozan could be a good on-ball, you know, defender and, and stuff like this. So I think that, um, and, and theoretically, the idea that DeRozan can do that is true. He's got great size, and, and he's somebody who's relatively quick, and, but he just doesn't give a lot of effort on that end. So training camp's going to have to be him convincing these guys to, to give maximum effort on that side of the ball. And, uh, and, and that's just going to have to be, well, it'll be interesting to see if we start to see that in the preseason. Um, and start to see exactly how this team goes. I also think a lot of the defense, uh, they do have some defensive upside on their bench with a lot of the talent that they have, and that'll also be have to be something they look at over the next few days in training camp, right, is who exactly is going to round up this rotation off the bench. I'm sure that can change throughout the season, uh, depending on how things go in practices and, and, and who proves what behind the scenes, but uh, they really have to figure out who they want to rely on, and I think that's all going to come based off who looks like they can help the most on defense is Derek Jones jr looking, you know, better than, uh, Alizé Johnson, uh, even though he's undersized with the four, uh, is, you know, Troy Brown jr looking ready to take the next step as an all on ball defender. Uh, so I think that those kind of pieces they have on their bench will be good to mix and match in certain lineups if they need a defensive boost. But again, that all begins in training camp and, and how guys are looking.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I guess part of, the reason why training camp becomes you know more critical at this time of the year is you know Patrick Williams, I'm assuming won't be playing in preseason. Uh, we we only learnt a, a week or so ago that uh, he sustained a, a severe ankle injury that's going to keep him out four to six weeks now. We found that after the fact that uh, you know he had sustained that in- injury you know a much much further back in time, so he should be hopefully right for the start of the season. Hopefully, fingers crossed. But I'm assuming he won't be doing much stuff in training camp, um, at least not much heavy stuff, and and won't be going 100. percent Similarly, I don't know if he'll be playing in preseason. Maybe he will. Maybe we won't. I, I don't know. We'll obviously learn that in in the coming days, but. I guess, again, the advantages of having training cap now and not having a crazy, stupid COVID-type schedule is you can test out like who, who will be that four that's running with the starters. I'm assuming the starters will be having sessions uh, at one end of the core where they're running stuff together. And, and maybe this is a chance for Billy to throw multiple guys into that situation. And, you know, if, if Pat can't be out there, like... Who is he throwing in there? Is uh, Derek Jones Jr. getting a chance? Is Stanley Johnson or, Al- or Alize Johnson having a, a, a chance there? Maybe maybe he's going you know even smaller with Alex Caruso. Like what, what is the situation that um, Billy is sort of throwing out there? Maybe he's he's tabling multiple scenarios. So you know thinking about preseason coming up and preseason you know basketball is here next Tuesday basically. The Bulls play the Cavs next Tuesday night. Um, I mean, what are your expectations about how they mitigate the loss of Patrick Williams, assuming he doesn't play? Like how do you think they're going to maybe structure up? We, we're assuming the other four starters will be Vucevic, Levine, DeRozan, and Alonso. But uh, if Pat is absent, if he's not playing, how, where do you think the Bulls will lean uh, initially in game one?
0: I, I feel like based off yesterday what he said, he uh, Billy at uh, at Media Day, he did seem, or two days ago, he did seem interested in, and I don't know if he would do this right off the bat because kind of like you were getting at and, and what I was saying earlier, they want to, they're going to definitely want to try different different lineups and, and uh, get get some of those bench guys at the four, like Derrick Jones Jr. And, and Alizé and maybe Stanley. But he did seem interested in the lineup that was a three-guard lineup with Caruso and moving DeMar to the four. And mm, so yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if we see that as kind of the first thing, just because it was mm-hmm. kind of the first thing he mentioned on media day as uh, something he was uh, looking at. So maybe yeah. that's just what they go with as a starting lineup because – uh, you know, just last year, DeMar played, I think, 90% of his minutes at the power forward position. Uh, he obviously has the size to do it. He's a, he's a fine rebounder. So, uh, I can see that, uh, I can see them just going that route. And also, you have a nice defensive front, uh, backcourt, obviously, with, with Caruso and Lonzo both in there. But, if they don't go that route, uh, I would I would expect the next guy up to be uh, Derrick Jones Jr. at the four. I just think with his length, they want to see what that looks like. Uh, his the best stint of his career was with the Miami Heat, you know, two seasons ago, and and uh, he played the, the the pretty strong majority of his minutes uh, at the power forward position there, and he was a plus uh, a plus guy, and I think both sides of the court in that situation. So uh, and maybe that Heat culture, that team in general was a good defensive team. That team in general was a you know was obviously a talented team. So that obviously helps his, his individual stats, but uh, he did seem to be best at that position uh, just because of, of his athleticism and, and, and his length. So I do think that would be the next the next way they go, and I, I think that might be what we see plenty of them in the first couple of preseason games. Is just them seeing what he looks like at the position, because I think ultimately when the season starts, uh, if they're not staggering, uh, DeRozan into the second unit, which I think they will uh, once the season starts, uh, just to kind of get him uh, get him some buckets. I can very well see them looking at Derek Jones Jr. as the potential backup for to start the year.
1: Yeah, look, I, I go back and forward with on this to be honest with you as to how I want it, how I, I would play it out. And I like the idea of Caruso going into that starting unit and and being amongst that five. But I also like the idea of Caruso, I guess, learning his preferred role or getting used to his preferred role, which is or my preferred Agreed. role of his is coming <laughs> off the bench sort of thing. So I don't know if I want him to start preseason, given that, you know, I want him to be a bench piece throughout the season. Having said that, I expect the Bulls to close a lot of games with Caruso on the floor with the lineup you sort of mentioned there with DeMar playing the power forward position. So maybe, I think we'll definitely see that lineup throughout preseason, but maybe do you start it knowing that you don't necessarily want to start it or, or maybe Billy does, maybe he wants to test it, but personally, I wouldn't start it. So then, you know, whilst I would play a lot of minutes with Caruso with that closing lineup with those four guys am I starting someone like Troy Brown Jr., for example, who I know is going to be a reserve for most of the season, but in this situation where you've got Pat out potentially, you know, I think we all agree that maybe shifting DeMar up to power four probably makes more sense than maybe starting a Stanley Johnson or, or an Alizé Johnson or whatever it may be. Um, but okay. you know, in that instance, do you play Troy Brown Jr. as, as a defensive wing, which is kind of what he was doing last season when he came here and keep Caruso on the bench and keep uh, Derek Jones Jr. on the bench as well. And, um, you know, again, like I would prefer Derek Jones Jr. be a bench player uh, coming into the season as well. But again, what you noted there, like I've also thought about Derek Jones Jr. going into that starting lineup. So I guess the point is he's got options, and the reason why he has options is one. I guess the Bulls have prioritized getting big big wings onto the court who can play mul- multiple positions. And, and in that sense, you know, whilst it sucks losing Patrick because he will, I guess, um, you know, miss out on that opportunity to build chemistry with this team. And, you know, he'll he'll obviously have to, you know, regain that during the season at some point. The Bulls now have actual credible options who can run through, maybe not power forward because, I mean, Damar isn't a big power forward himself, but I mean, that's that's basically what he played with the Spurs. So he, he's clearly shown that he can play a power forward, but they have a number of wing options now that can you can throw out there, whether it's Caruso, whether it's Derrick Jones Jr., Troy Brown Jr. I mentioned the two Johnsons before. Like These are options that they can test during preseason and I'm sure they will. Whereas even just think back to last season where this team was running out three guard lineups and those guards typically being point guards, not necessarily big wings. Exactly. Like, it's yeah. just, again, a welcome, nice change to to uh, to see the ball sort of emerge into a a, uh, a normal basketball team, whereas previously it kind of felt like they were always five years behind the times.
0: Exactly. No, I think that's and that's something I kind of wrote about the other day, just just briefly in our in our morning post, is that uh, just looking at the depth this year, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's anything fantastic, and it, it, yeah. it's their be- their bench is not you know anywhere near a top bench in the East right now. But <laughs> yeah. at the same time, you you did tri- you did swap a ton of of really like out of rotation players normally for actual, you know, relatively high upside bench guys like reserve players. So I think, and, and you know, I pointed out like, look at, look at what Ryan, like, look at Archie, right? Archie yeah. ended up <laughs> in Boston on a, on a what, like a training camp deal. You know, Denzel is in Cleveland on a uh, non-guaranteed deal. Even a guy like Otto who didn't play a lot last year, but uh, Otto's on a, What a veteran minimum now. So you just like look at all these guys who, who they uh, they had to use off their bench and, and the guys they were lying on, where are they now? It's like, well, they're kind of like, we, they're borderline. They're out there. Teams are deciding whether or not they even want to have these guys. Yeah. And so at least yeah. the Bulls right now have a roster of players you look at and you go like, oh yeah, that's that's a real player that you can actually throw. Like I, for the most part, you may not, maybe they're going to get a little more minutes than they should, but you're like, I can at least trust that guy. And uh and so I, I i'm that's definitely an encouraging thing for for this season and i think a guy like troy brown jr um is a great example of that kind of player and just improvement i think everyone around the league would would agree he's still an intriguing talent he's a young player uh if anything he should be able to be just a decent reserve wing so uh but i, I one thing i did want to say is that with derrick jones jr and troy brown jr., uh troy brown jr uh these are two guys that the organization clearly wanted and i expect to be given a relatively long leash in terms of trying them out in the rotation just because you don't go and trade for a guy like troy brown jr if they weren't on if he wasn't on this front office's radar for a little while and and, you know maybe ak liked him before he even came to the bowls and then same thing with derrick jones jr he was one of the first players connected to this this team once uh um ak and mark arrived so and then they finally get him this off season. So I just think both those guys are guys that this front office clearly sees potential in, clearly likes, and I expect both of them to get a good opportunity, whether it's preseason, start of the season, to prove what they can do in this in uh, on this team.
1: Yeah, and I think they kind of have to because you know we've talked about Troy Brown Jr., Derek Jones Jr., and the fact that obviously the front office targeted them, and they are to some degree they they guys. Let's say. But there are other guys sort of fighting for, you know, one of those last few spots on the roster like Stanley Johnson and Alizé Johnson, maybe even going down the list to, you know, an Ethan Thompson or a Matt Thomas, guys like that who are, I guess, more specialist shooter types. Like, if Derek Jones Jr. Or a, or, or a Troy Brown Jr., like that, that's going to be frustrating to say, oh, you have too many juniors. I know, right? It's so <laughs> many juniors. Every time I say it,
0: I'm just like, oh. and then when I'm writing, it, it's the same thing. It's, it's a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I almost tripped over my own words there. But, I mean, the point is, like, they'll have to turn up and they'll, they'll get an opportunity now with, with Patrick potentially missing games, but they'll have to take that opportunity as well because um, Billy could p- uh, quickly, quickly pivot to a Stanley Johnson, for example, who doesn't have a guaranteed deal. I'm assuming will make the team, but you never know with these things or bench shooting is an issue. So if, if Matt Thomas comes in and he shoots the hell out of the ball in preseason, then does he get a look in? And I'm not suggesting that obviously Derek Jones Jr. or um, Troy Brown Jr. will miss miss out on the final roster because they've got guaranteed deals. But in terms of minutes, those sorts of things and and where they're placed in the rotation may be like, Obviously, that's why a preseason basketball is, is is quite important. You know, this is a testing ground for for the coaching staff to test rotations, to 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 experiment with all these things. But uh, part of that, or an ex- as an extension to that, like this is where they'll be setting up what their potential rotation will be, as well as who's in that rotation and who who plays what minutes. So yeah, it's kind of important for someone like Troy Brown Jr. coming to the fourth fourth year into the league i think it's his last year on his rookie deal like this is an important year more generally for him and uh yeah I, th- I think i would throw him out there to be honest with you because it's kind of make or break time for troy brown junior um not not necessarily just with the balls but just maybe his career more generally like this is an opportunity where he can really establish himself as a, a as a legit rotational piece and if we talk about like patrick williams being a player who can sort of lift this team from you know where a lot of pundits maybe have them but like if Troy Brown Jr can emerge from a player who may not even be in the rotation to someone who is a legitimate like 6th or 7th or 8th guy then that completely changes the way this team can go as well and similarly with Derek Jones Jr and a couple of other of these bench guys like Tony Bradley for example like He's going to be a super important player. And, you know, on a previous podcast, I posited that, you know, Nikola Vucevic is the most important player for this Bulls team just due to the fact that there really isn't many backup bigs on this team. But if Tony Bradley comes into preseason and really shows out in the minutes that he does get, then again, maybe how we feel about this backup big situation, maybe we feel more confident in in a week's time based on what, you know, Tony Bradley could do.
0: I think, yeah, and I think we will. I think that's a great point. And and, and Bradley is somebody that uh, I know a lot of people don't know, and, and he might not be somebody he's, he only played 42 games last season, but I, if you look a little bit closer, you know, he's somebody that has already kind of shown, he's one of those players you look at um, and you go, okay, that guy deserves a bigger chance. He deserves a little bit more minutes. He deserves this kind of role that he's stepping into this year because all he's done when he's been on the court is be a pretty consistent, reliable presence. And I think, uh, in his 42 games last season it was i think he probably had i think it was like a two point3 uh estimated plus minus plus two point three um when you just it, that's that's a pretty good thing that you want to see from from your backup big man and it's somebody that he's not going to be able to to be this huge playmaker for you on offense but he can hit a decent floater he, he has some uh okay post moves on defense especially uh brings great size a smart defender high iq guy he runs the floor really well so If you just look at him he's this well-rounded guy who kind of does a little bit of everything and i think for this bulls team like you said it he's going to be extremely important but i think he he will really be a grounding presence for them uh and i think he spoke with reporters yesterday uh at at training camp and just kind of outlined like all i want to do is is be that kind of glue guy defense guy and just come in here and do what needs to get done and, and make the small plays and I think that's exactly what he'll accomplish. So I'm excited to see what he can do because I think he was a really smart signing and a great value signing for this team. He deserved a bigger opportunity and, and he may yeah. not jump off the page to anyone this year, but the fact that he's one of those guys that maybe if you don't notice him, that's actually a good thing because he's doing his job well. <laughs> if the bull, yeah. if people <laughs> end up not talking about the back backup big situation, you know, that's actually a, a good thing. It doesn't mean there's a problem at all. So uh, I think he's going to be that guy for them, uh, and and he'll do a pretty good job.
1: Yeah, for sure. And look, That's the main thing I'm worried about this team with, about, apart from the shooting on the bench, let's say. But just just the backup big situation, particularly if, if for whatever reason Vucevic was to you know roll his ankle, for example, or you know have a similar injury to what Patrick has had and and goes down for four to six weeks. Like how had the balls cover him, and in that instance, Tony Bradley becomes super super important. So if he can emerge into a Taj Gibson type level of backup player, uh, maybe not to the peaks of Taj, but can be dependable in the sense that you can throw him in there for 25, twenty five, twenty, twenty five minutes a game, just give you good two way play. Like that would be a huge, uh, a huge boost to this team. But I guess you know, thinking about the roster more, more generally, like we haven't even mentioned Io or um, or Marco Simonovic as well. Like, and maybe that's fair. Like, I'm assuming these guys aren't going to get a lot of minutes. And I suppose if they are getting a lot of minutes in season, either they've just completely. Um, you know, smash through expectations, or things have gone absolutely terribly. It's it's going to be one thing <laughs> yeah, or another. No but, um, there's no in
0: between.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely not. So uh, in that sense, um, I I, it, I don't know how many minutes these guys were getting in preseason, but I'm assuming maybe the fourth quarter in preseason games where both teams are maybe shelving their starters, um, not necessarily not necessarily running their usual stuff. Maybe that's when we'll get a chance to look at you know, IO or, or Marcus Simonovic and, and, maybe they show some things as well, but, um, a guy that I'm actually really excited to see. And I look to be honest with you. I, I don't know if you, if you know if he will even be available or So I'm assuming he will be, maybe he's not, but, um, have we heard about Kobe's Kobe's availability and if he will be playing preseason?
0: Uh, so I'm pretty sure he's not going to be playing preseason. He, he is not scheduled to make a return until mid November or early November. So he is on a better track than people thought. Uh, That's what it seems like is he definitely is doing. uh, I think Casey Johnson reported specifically that uh, he is doing uh, dribbling work. He has the ball in his hands. He's been able to do a little bit of shooting, but uh, he's having trouble. He has discomfort, you know, doing layups, putting the the arm fully over his head. So um, I wouldn't expect to see him until November. But to your point, he's... I'm very excited for him this season, and I also think he's incredibly important because the yeah. bench. The and I, and I think this front office really put a lot of. I know his role is being diminished this year, but they still see a ton of value in him uh, based off how they handle this off season. Because if you're looking at at the bench for them, I mean, they, there's the bench is the opposite of starting unit when you think about it. The starting unit is offensive like force, is offensive firepower, and then you know your second unit. Then this is why you're gonna to have to stagger somebody like tomorrow into it. Your second unit lacks really any kind of proven scoring. You have a lot of scrappy mm-hmm. defenders, scrappy defenders in there. Uh, but like, who's your highest upside scorer in that second unit? Maybe it's it. It might be Troy Brown Jr. You know, a guy who averaged. I looked at it out of uh, everyone on their uh, in their second unit. Only one guy ever averaged like double digits on a season of his career was Troy Brown Jr. With like 10.2 two years ago, and. So you're looking at a, you're looking at a bench unit that is really struggling, I think, to find some offense and, and find some consistent shooting. Caruso, he's a guy who can hit his his you know catch and shoot threes occasionally, and he had a 38% uh, three point percentage last season, but that came on like 2.3 attempts per game. So it's they're going to need someone to step in there and take offense, and, and Kobe White's going to be that guy. I, I think they're just going to ask him to to be out there and 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 get buckets, and when the offense has to be off the court. Uh, he can just go wild, and that's where he's going to thrive because that's that's all he needs to be allowed to do. He's he's can get, when he gets hot, it's it's it can be scary.
1: Yeah, for sure. And look, that looks clearly. I haven't necessarily been paying too much attention because I assumed Kobe was going to be back a lot sooner than what he is. But look, nonetheless, like. I am excited about what opportunities before on Kobe this season which is maybe ironic for me to say or at least some people will feel that way given that I have been a, a heavy critic of Kobe in the past but my criticism <laughs> about Kobe co- was Kobe,
0: I've been too big of a Kobe lover so you might have actually been <laughs> on the right side of history I was a little bit too uh, too much on the other way <laughs>
1: Well, look I, I look I understand the optimism but to me he was never a starting point guard he wasn't a point guard more generally uh, i, I I'm, and typically with rookies I, I prefer the more conservative route anyway like bringing unless you're like a, a bona fide star rookie that where it's, it's very clear on day one I prefer to bring along these guys more slowly and you know put put them in roles that they can succeed on within winning programs ideally that's how you want to develop these types of guys so it's it's and I guess that's what always annoys me when people look over like, in, look over to like Michael Bridges in, in Phoenix and assume what he's done this season or last season with the Suns would just transfer into a losing situation. Like like, like that just automatically how it happened. <laughs> it wouldn't, but it wouldn't. S- exactly, exactly. But like similarly for Kobe, like he was obviously thrown into that starting role last season. But if he was drafted on a team where maybe he was drafted in the 12 or 14 range, was part of a winning program and he was coming off the bench and just doing a limited thing and doing that limited thing really well, then his value would be so much more and that was always why I had an issue with Kobe. It wasn't necessarily Kobe himself or his skill set, but just the role was too big for him. But now as you sort of alluded to, the fact that he can come off the bench and there isn't this burden for him to sort of create or run the offense like there was last season. I mean, that was one of the big talking points of media day last, last season was who's going to be the starting point guard. Was it going to be Saransky? Was it going to be Kobe? White? ultimately it ended up being Kobe. And then so much of the conversation turned to, can this dude run the offense and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I felt the way I felt, and I think I've been somewhat justified, but nonetheless, um, I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm excited about what he can be coming off the bench, and just like you said, like this bench has kind of a weakness uh, from a shooting point of view, an offensive creation point of view, and you know, he just will have so much less burden. He'll have he'll be in the right role. And for him now coming off this injury as well, it's probably good to have less pressure on him in that sense because had he been the starting point guard, missed all this offseason and sort of came back and was like forced into being one of those lead creators within the starting unit, you know, like that would have even been even more pressure on Kobe's shoulder and, you know, maybe pun intended given the fact that he's sort of hurt his shoulder. <laughs> but now that he can come back and just gun off the bench as you know, the role that I've always wanted him to have. I think he could be a a super valuable player to this team, but I think he could be a, a smoky for a, a six-man-of-the-year type had it maybe not been for the injury. Maybe the injury sort of doesn't allow for that, for that. But if he can come off the bench and, you know, score 12, 13, 14 points a game, something like that, then I think everyone's perception of Kobe will change, to be honest with you.
0: Well, look at what happened to a guy like Jordan Clarkson, right? I mean, yeah. that, that that's somebody who eventually kind of found himself in the right role. It's very similar to Kobe in a lot of ways, it, it, or it could be depending on what happens with Kobe. But uh, but yeah, I could definitely see him being that. I don't know if it'll happen this year. I think maybe you know next year, just because this kind of injury, especially with the shoulder injury, it, it mm-hmm. when he comes back. When he comes back, he he's definitely. I don't expect him at all to to look. Some people are probably going to be a little mad the first couple of weeks. I don't think he'll look like the Kobe we you know and love. It's it's so hard coming off these type of shoulder injuries, getting your confidence back up, especially for someone like him who's the score, just feeling totally confident shooting the basketball and feeling totally comfortable. But with that said, I don't disagree that this he's the type of player that can turn into that sneaky 6 man that the year candidate. And the reason I say that actually is because, uh, you know, while wow, last year was was not a great situation for him uh, and and it kind of hurt his value and perception around the league. I do think it actually will help him a lot in the long run because he did get to to experience those highs and lows and and have to be forced into that playmaking role. And there's no way that didn't help his game a little bit. And and so I think that's something he can potentially carry over into leading the second unit, especially when he's going against opposing teams, second units. You know, maybe he will look like a, a better playmaker this year uh, because of the experience that he had on the court last season. And I also think he's actually going to be playing, if he can be fully healthy, he'll be playing against uh, some decent guys because Caruso can help uh, defensively um, co- cover up some of his mistakes. I also think Troy Brown Jr. is, um, you know, a better playmaker than he's given, than people kind of give him credit for. He's, he could be a really d- decent uh, playmaker for that second unit when he needs to be. He's a good passer. So, uh so that's going to be interesting i'm excited to see how it looks i think kobe uh you know his upside in that position is really high uh this year i'm definitely going to be cautiously optimistic because i think that injury is hard to come back from uh at least to look to look strong right away but he he's finally in a role that is comfortable and it's the the role that he probably should have always had from from the beginning but he learned some stuff last year and i think that that will ultimately help make him a, a better a better player
1: Yep, I think that's fair. And I guess maybe we can close on this because you've touched on this a couple of times, but beyond understanding the uh, general rotation and how who fills in with that power forward, who fills in for Kobe and those sorts of things whilst those guys are out, I think the most fascinating thing for me, and just watching how Billy sort of manages the rotation, manages the game style, but who he sends into that second unit to maybe lead that second unit, you sort of touched on the fact that, you know, you would like to see DeMar be that guy. Maybe he be the first guy off from that starting unit. Maybe he and Lonzo comes off and in comes whoever it may be to support Levine and Vucevic in that first unit. But um I think that's going to be an interesting test case as well where maybe they maybe they do take DeRozan from that starting unit um after six or seven minutes of play and then you know, sub him out so he can come back in with the second unit, or maybe they'll test it as well with Zach and have him and Kobe, like those two guys have a synergy with each other. So maybe you can sort of reprise that role that they had in the starting unit last season into that second unit type phase as well. So uh, I think that's, what's going to be very interesting to me as well. Like how how do they manage the offense? Because we've, we've talked about them playing fast and wanting to get up and down, but when they do get into half court sets, like Who's going to be the primary guy on ball? Like, is it going to be Levine? Is it going to be DeRozan? And is the or whoever that primary guy is, like, is it going to be a pick and roll type situation with Vucevic? But it's like, is that going to be their set piece? So, you know, depending on that question and depending on all the machinations around that, like, how does that then influence your second unit? So, yeah, like, who's going to be the lead guy with uh, Vucevic? That's going to be very interesting to see. And then, depending on that, like, if it's Levine, then does DeRozan go into that second unit more or vice versa? So, all this stuff like i guess that's the the fascinating thing when you completely retool and remodel your roster and there's basically like three or four guys that were here last season that carry over into the new season there's just so much to learn and there's actually value to these preseason games now. Whereas if this were the same team returning from last season, I guess we probably wouldn't care as much, but given that there's so many new faces, so many new pieces and we don't really know how it's all going to come together. I I guess that's what makes the upcoming four games of preseason are super exciting to get to, uh, to get to essentially.
0: And yeah, and exactly. I think, I think the big thing too, is that not only did they completely blow up the roster and and bring in new faces and that's, that's fun within itself to see how everything's going to work. But they did still drastically improve around the margins. I mean, like we said, just getting rid of these guys like Denzel Valentine, right, Archie you know, and replacing them with, and you know, no disrespect to them, but replacing them with guys. Who uh, feel the like...
1: disrespect's fine. The disrespect's fine, particularly <laughs> okay, with well, Denzel.
0: Well, with Denzel, yeah, with, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, fair. But the, uh. <laughs> this is not a, the,
1: uh, Denzel friendly <laughs> podcast.
0: Okay, then maybe the next time, uh, next time I come on, we can just do a full, uh, uh, Denzel hour. Um, but yeah, the, 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 that's the thing that's going to be really interesting is they replaced all of these guys around the, around the edges with players that you actually think have relatively high upside, not starter high upside, but reserve high upside. So you have a lot of pieces you actually experiment with. And one thing that, that, uh, I think I, I commented on in, in our morning post, uh, today, uh, keep plugging the content, sorry, but that, but one thing that I, uh, you're just asking good questions that relate to some stuff that I talked about recently, the, um, Interesting thing that I look forward to is that these players, these role player types that they added to the bench are guys that, uh, you know, Billy Donovan got to decide. I'm sure he was part of the decision-making process. He got to say like, oh, this guy's interesting to me. This guy's interesting to me. And he has a really good proven track record, at least when he was with the Thunder of turning these like random, what does that guy do? You know, he's a good basketball player, but what does he really do well? He has a good proven track record of turning those guys into reliable you know, plus defenders, strong players, good role players. I think you just look at guys like, like, I mean, he did it with Lou Dort, right? Lou Dort. He did it with a guy like Darius Baisley. uh, Diallo was on their team. He did it with like Terrence Ferguson, Andre Roberson. There's uh, Abdel Nader had played really well when he was with that team and off the bench. These are all guys who ate big minutes for OKC at times. And Billy just kind of told them, hey, focus on this one thing that you're really good at. He put them in a position to succeed. And that's what I'm excited about him leading this team. I think he's going to know how to put a lot of these new guys just in a position to succeed. The big, you know, it's different. We'll see how it works with Vooch, Rose and all that. But these guys around the margins, that's why I'm a little less worried about the depth as, as some people. I think he'll, he can be able to figure it out a little bit, but yeah, as for kind of what you were talking about too, with the, how is the, the rotation is going to work and stuff like that. Uh, that's, Will be what preseason shows but yeah for me i think it's going to be a guy like derozan who who sees himself staggered in the second unit just because uh that'll give levine a little bit more time just he'll be the the, the ball of his hands guy because i think when they're both out there derozan will be the guy that has the ball in his hands first just because levine you know almost a 49 percent catch shoot guy from three last season uh i think he was second in points per possession uh for cutters so a guy who could play really well off the ball he's been forced to play more on the ball the past couple of years than, than he's even needed to so DeRozan, I think, will have the ball in his hands. But Levine will want to get his. I think he could take DeRozan off. DeRozan want to get his. He can do it the second unit and be that kind of... He can be that playmaker that the second unit needs.
1: Yeah, I think they're all good points. And to, at the moment, like, I may have my thoughts and ideas, but I'm open to it as well because, you know, it, it yeah. kind of makes sense for DeMar to be the primary... Initiator, let's say with the starters, given that he's probably the best passer within that starting unit, like he's he's emerged as a six or seven assist type player in San Antonio, so I'm assuming that can carry over here in into Chicago's to to some degree. Um, having said that, obviously Vucevic can play, and make Zach Levine has improved in that sense. We talked before about Lonzo wanting to be a traditional point guard or more so like a traditional point guard, so. Like that's just going to be fascinating to see how it all plays out. Like, and just the permutations. Like, one decision will lead to a whole bunch of reaction, <laughs> yeah. reactive decisions. So, um, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Next Tuesday is when preseason starts, if I'm not mistaken. I think I believe it's Wednesday my time, but uh, for for, for um, those in Chicago, I believe the Bulls' first game is next Tuesday night against Denzel Lowry, Markin, and those stupid <laughs> Cavs. So yep. I think that's game one, and then game I think on Friday the Bulls play the pelicans which will uh which will be an interesting game given it's uh lonzo's old mob we get to see sadaransky and garrett temple again so uh interesting couple games to coming up next preseason uh coming up next week for preseason i'm just yeah i'm just glad basketball is back um i'm getting back into the swing of things now you've helped me do so elias um so uh thank you for coming on the pod mate
0: yeah thank you so much for having me on i had a really good time and and and, uh, uh i'm excited for the season to start this is it's nice to have basketball back and like you said get back in the swing of things
1: yeah, for sure. And obviously, you'll uh, you'll be covering everything that the Bulls do. So, uh, tell the people where they can follow you online, where they can catch you riding, all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you can go and and find uh, my work over at BleacherNation.com, uh, specifically on our Bulls page. And then you can follow us on Twitter at DN underscore Bulls. Uh you can also follow me individually on Twitter at E L I A S underscore S E H U S T E R. I think it's stupid when people spell things out. I do it anyway because I don't think anyone's writing this down or really listening. But <laughs> if you're gonna follow if you want to follow the content at BN underscore Bulls, then we're also on Facebook at Bolitra Nation Bulls. It,
1: it, it's your last name first, then underscore Elias, isn't it, on your Twitter handle, not the other way around?
0: I think it's at isn't it at oh you know what? You, might
1: be right. <laughs> you know. I'm like reading I'm pretty my own sure tw- I'm wrong. Right. I'm reading my I own think Twitter
0: handle it. right. You are? Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's at my last name at S-P-H-E-S-P-E-R underscore Elias E-L-I-A-S But it doesn't really Dying. matter My account, my personal I mean, I do I have plenty of sports thoughts and stuff on there and I share our content on there as well but BN underscore Bulls that's, that's where you really want to fall
1: No, too easy too easy to no note well, look I'll, obviously I'll link that in the description anyway but um, go follow Elias if you're not already doing so people whilst you're out there uh, following him, following Bleach Nation, all that good stuff. If for whatever reason you also want to follow me too, you can jump on Twitter at MK Hoops. You can follow the podcast to Bulls HQ Pod on Twitter. If you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord, and you definitely should be, given Bulls basketball is back next week and preseason is about to get going. If you want to be part of the Discord, shoot me a DM on Twitter. I'll drop you an invite. Alternatively, uh, a link will be provided in the episode description notes within well this specific episode. And uh, while you're at it, if you pity me and want to inflate my uh, already large opinion of myself, you can help me c- to continue doing so by um, jumping on iTunes and giving your favorite Australian Bulls podcaster a five-star review. That is always appreciated. Even better, tell a mate about the podcast and um, get them to tune in. That would be a huge help. Uh, lastly, any suggestions, questions, ideas for the show as we heading to a new season, drop me an email, bullshqpod at gmail.com. But uh, that is all the self-serving out of the way and that is the show done. Elias, thank you again for coming on, mate.
0: Thank you so much for having me and do everything he just said. It's, you should
1: absolutely do all that. <laughs> I appreciate it, mates. But uh, like I said, that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Preseason basketball is just about on about upon us now. Let's get excited for that. Um, and at the same time, let's get out of here on this podcast. We'll be back next week to cover it all. So until next time, this has been Bulls HQ. Speak soon, Bulls fans. <laughs>